Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. So I was reminded this morning of something, a story that Kenneth Copeland told about himself that I felt led to share with everybody this morning. He was, he was at a, some conference or a church or something like that, and he was going to, he, he was supposed to speak in the evening. And he said that he had done something. He didn't say what he had done, but he had done something that day that he just felt absolutely awful about that um, to the point where he thought, you know what, I'm just not going to preach tonight. I don't think that I'm really worthy to be up there to be preaching tonight, and I'm just, I'm just not going to. Uh, and um, he was standing outside of the church or the auditorium, wherever he was, and he was telling God this. And um, I'm shortening the, the, the story down a bit, but basically God said, well, I have two things for you. He, first, he said, God said to Kenneth Copeland, did you repent for what you've done? And Kenneth like, oh, yeah, right away. I'm so sorry for that, Lord. I just, I know it was completely wrong. And so the Lord said, well, if you've repented it from, uh, about it, that means that it's thrown as far as the east is from the west, and it's remembered no more. So I've said this before, but I think somebody needs to really hear this today, that if you go east around the earth, you will never, ever, ever meet west. You will continue east the entire time you go around east on the earth. And never ending. And the same goes for going west. So you set out west. Go west, young man. And you continue west around the earth. You will never meet east. And that's as far as God sends and throws our sin away. That they will never meet again when you've repented of it. And God said to Kenneth Copeland, he said, the second thing is, you don't qualify yourself to be up there preaching. It's me that qualifies you. You can't do it. Just like what Pastor Jason said this morning about prayer, you can't do the right things for God to hear your prayer, and the wrong things won't make God not hear your, um, not hear your prayer. And in the same way, as you walk out your life with Christ, you don't qualify yourself to do what God's asked you to do. He qualifies you by what Jesus did on the cross. It's Jesus' righteousness that made us right and in good standing with God, our Father. It's Jesus' stripes that's made us healed and whole so that we can walk in strength that that purpose that God has for us. It's everything that Jesus did that makes us able to do what God wants us to do in our lives. Amen? Amen. Okay. Praise God. Turn to Luke 5. Hallelujah. Luke 5. And we're going to be looking at verses uh, 12 and 13. And while you're going there, let me just explain something here. So uh, about a year and a half, probably two years ago, close to it, I came across this uh, sermon that Jesse Duplantis did at the 2019 Southwest Believers Convention. And it was called, What's in a Touch? And it was outside of... Well, I really enjoy the preaching and everything that we have here, and I listen to it constantly on a regular basis. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah, on our podcasts. But this is, I've probably listened to this message, I think I'm probably into the 20s now, 
of how many times I've listened to this message. It really just, it touched my heart and it helps me to focus on really what my purpose is, is to, that the love of God is in me to touch other people and, and, and bring his love to those people. And the scripture that we're going to talk about this morning is a scripture that he used. And so let's read it right now. And it says, and it came to pass that when he was in a certain city, that's Jesus, when Jesus was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him. So Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Immediately the leprosy departed from him. So as I've been listening to the sermon of, of Jesse Duplantis's and just so enjoying it and being encouraged and strengthened and challenged by it, this question started to come up inside of me. And that question is, why was Jesus able to make that leper clean? Why was he able to make that leper clean? Think about it. Everyone else around him, because this leper, they're supposed to basically stay outside of the city. They can't come in contact with any, anybody. They have to stay a certain distance away from people if they come in contact with people. They cannot come into any human contact. It's kind of like social distancing. It was, I can't remember the exact distance away, but it was the same idea. You had to stay away from people that were not in your bubble. <laughs> and the same thing applied for, for people with lepers or people who were unclean. So, all the people around Jesus at this point would have been freaking out because he, this leper, was coming to Jesus, breaking all of those rules that were set in place by the Mosaic law and saying, you know what, you can make me clean. I'm just going to come right in. So every, all the disciples, you think about that. All the disciples around him are like, no way, man, you get away. You're going to make us unclean. You stay away from us. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, come on in. Why was it that Jesus was able to make the leper clean? Everybody else couldn't. For everybody else, touching that leper made them unclean. And then they had to go and do all the things to make them clean and, and stay separated for a certain amount of time and all that kind of stuff. What was the fundamental basis or difference between Jesus and the rest of civilization at this point. It's not anymore for those of us who are born-again Christians. But what is that fundamental difference between Jesus and the rest of civilization? Turn to Luke 1. I went too far. And we're going to start in verse 26. <clears throat> and we're going to be reading all the way through to 38. So this is the story of Mary. The account of, of God talking to Mary. And in verse 26 it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She's like, what? Why is he saying this to me? Why? What's going on here? Verse 30. 
And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Take note of that. Of his kingdom there shall be no end whatsoever. Verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How can this be, since I have not laid with the man that... I would get pregnant, basically, is what she was saying. Verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And by... uh, 38... And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So what's the fundamental difference between Jesus and the rest of civilization at this point? The seed. The seed. The seed by which he was birthed was incorruptible. The seed by which we were birthed was corruptible. That was the fundamental difference here. Everybody with me? Very quiet in here. (laughs) I'm sure it's very quiet at home. Think about Genesis, the very beginning of Genesis. We won't go there. But when Adam was formed out of the earth and walked about in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect, was complete in itself. There was a perfect union with God. The plants just kind of grew by themselves and produced wonderful fruit by themselves. And God told him, Adam, that he had to tend to the Garden of Eden and take care of it and stuff like that. But he didn't have to toil or anything like that. And then Adam and his wife Eve, they ate of the the fruit of of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil And sin entered in. That seed got corrupted at that point. And from then on, any time a child was born, they were born of a corrupted seed. One that wasn't perfect or complete. Okay? Up until Jesus, when he was born. He was born of an incorruptible seed. Now, a seed can only produce after itself. We've mentioned this many times before. If you have carrot seeds, when you plant them and you water them and you tend to them, you will get carrots. If you have corn seed, when you plant them and water them and tend to them, you will get corn. Potato seeds, you get potatoes. Corrupt seed, you get corrupt harvest. Unclean seed, you get an unclean harvest. Spiritual death seed produces spiritual death until Jesus. Last year, when I went to uh, pick up our blueberry order, so... 
let me give you some background. Since the mid-1990s, I think it was, we've been getting blueberries from the same farm on Vancouver Island. We're, um, Heather and myself and our family are originally from Victoria on Vancouver Island. And there's this farm there called uh, Meadowbrook Farms. And we've been purchasing blueberries from there since the mid-90s or so. And so every year we put in our order for the blueberries. Uh, we personally get about 100 pounds of blueberries every year. And um, some of our family and some friends, uh, we put in their orders as well. And so I think last year I came home with 170 pounds of, of blueberries. That's a lot of blueberries, but they're very good. No. <laughs> they're very, very good blueberries. But when I was there last year, um, or when I was in conversation with them, I can't remember exactly when, they meant there's two types of blueberries. There's Patriots and there's Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays are smaller, and they are more sweet. They're more condensed. The Patriots are bigger, and they still taste good, but they don't taste quite the same as the Blue Jays. And so when, <coughs> when I was talking with them, they said that they had to retire their Patriot crop. And that I didn't think much of it at that point, but... It just kind of stuck with me. It's like they've had to retire their patriot crop. And so I was thinking about how they take care of these blueberries. So um, when we first started uh, getting these blueberries, we were um, the, the people that owned the farm were actually the pastors of the church that we were going to at the time. And we were friends with um, some of their children and stuff like that. And so one time when I was out getting the blueberries, one of the children took me out to the field. And these blueberries are grown on a bog. So it basically what it looks like is there's earth there that's probably, I don't know, about four feet or so deep. And then underneath that is a bog. So water, basically. And so he said, we stood at one end of, the, of this field. And he said, okay, on the count of three, we're both going to jump. And so he says, okay, one, two, three. And we, we jumped. And you could see the blueberry field wow. go like that. All of, it, all of the trees just kind of went as we jumped. And so they, it was a very natural way for these blueberries to be watered. They didn't have to water the blueberries. It was a natural way that they were being watered kind of like the Garden of Eden, because there was no rain in the Garden of Eden. They took care to, take, um, to deal with all of the bad bugs that try and come and destroy the plants and the blueberries. By They would buy these big, huge containers of ladybugs, basically, and release them out over the blueberry field, and they would eat all of the bad bugs and protect them. So they took a whole lot of care of these plants, because these plants were a harvest for them. You know, they sold the blueberries. You know, the, I wasn't the only one that was buying probably over 100 pounds of blueberries, our family. But yet still, they've had to retire these patriot blueberries. They're retired. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we only get the blue jays, so it doesn't really affect us. But they're retiring these the patriot plants of blueberries. So I thought, well, um, why are they having to retire them? Because they're from a corrupted seed. They're from a corrupted seed. So last night, while I was studying and getting prepared for my sermon, I looked up online the lifespan of fruit trees. It's very interesting. So I'll just read off a few. So an almond tree's lifespan is 40 to 50 years. Apple tree is 50 to 150 years. Cherry or a wild black cherry, 200 plus years. Uh, ironwood, I don't know what ironwood is, but it's 1,500 years. Um, mulberry, 300 years. 
peach or nectarine, only 15 to 20 years. So this is just a sum. There's a whole list here on the bottom corner here of all of these trees and these fruit-bearing trees. They all have a lifespan. Now, we think that like a hackberry or net leaf is 100 to 200. We think that's a long time. In, in our existence, that's a long time, right? 200 years, that's a, long, that's a n- number of generations of families, but it's not forever. It's not forever. They die off sometime because they're corrupted. They're not pure. That's why they're having to retire these blueberries. Okay, let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 17. First Peter 1, verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Let me read that in Amplified. It makes it a whole lot more understandable. And if you call upon him, God, as your father, who judges each one impartially according to what he does, then you should conduct yourselves with true reverence throughout the time of your temporary residence on the earth, whether long or short. Verse 18. You must know or recognize that you were redeemed or ransomed, paid for, from the useless fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Remember I was saying that basically a a corrupted seed only produces corruption? So when we learn from our parents or our generations that have gone past that don't necessarily follow God in his ways, those, that's what that's talking about here, our forefathers. And their, what they thought was right to do, and it may have looked good, it may have produced some good results, but there was still corruption in it because it came from an unpure or unclean or a, a corrupted seed. Okay? Everybody with me? Okay, verse 19. But you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. It is true that he was chosen and foreordained, destined and foreknown for it, before the foundation of the world. But he was brought out to public view or made manifest in these last days at the end of the times for the sake of you. Back to verse 19. But we, you were purchased, we were purchased with the precious precious blood of Christ. That's incorrupted blood. You think about in the Old Testament they got the best lamb or the best ram or the best goat or the best heifer of the entire flock that they could find that had no blemishes, that was perfect in every way. But it still wasn't good enough to fully deal with the sins of the Israelites at that point. Because it came from a corrupted seed. It was a temporary solution to an eternal problem. 
It was a temporary solution to an eternal problem. If the lamb was able to take care of that lamb that was without blemish or spot in verse 19, if he was able, if it was able to take care of the sin, Jesus would not have had to come and go to the cross and be born and walk upon this earth and, and go to the cross. It says in verse 20 that it is true that he was chosen and foreordained, destined and foreknown for it before the foundation of the world. Jesus, the Son of God, was foreordained, destined to go to the cross before God the Father even started forming the world. So basically, think about this. The Trinity had a board meeting. They're all sitting down at the table, and God the Father says, Okay, son, we're going to start the earth, and we're going to create man in our image so that we have someone to have a relationship with, but we know what's going to happen. So basically, are you up for coming down to earth, uh, kind of forsaking your, your heavenly throne, going down to earth and being that perfect lamb that will take care of everything for the rest of eternity. Are you going to be okay with that? And God, um, Jesus, the Son of God, said, oh, yes, I'm in for this. I am in for this. Let's do this. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're so thankful for that. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 21, through him you believe in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him honor and glory so that your faith and hope are centered and rest in God. Since by your obedience to the truth through the Holy Spirit, you have purified your hearts for the sincere affection of the brethren. See that you love one another fervently from a pure heart. Because we've been obedient to the truth, we've given our lives to Christ, we have a pure heart. We have an incorrupted seed on the inside of us now. We have a spirit man that is alive with incorruptible seed that we're going to read. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're going to read that in just a minute. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and we've accepted him, we have become obedient to the truth. The truth, that word there is capitalized. The truth is Jesus Christ. We've become obedient to Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and we have purified our hearts for the sincere affection of the brethren. See that you love one another fervently from a pure heart. You have been regenerated or born again, not from a mortal origin. That means a seed or sperm. We have not been born again from a mortal origin, an origin of death, an existence or beginning of death but from one that is immortal by every living and lasting word of God. Let me read that in the uh, King James. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's the word of God? Jesus. It says in John 1 that the word became flesh. That's Jesus. He is the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are born of incorruptible seed because we have Jesus on the inside of us. We may have been born naturally of mortal origin, of corruptible seed, but now 
Because we have accepted Jesus, we are born of incorruptible seed that can never be corrupted, like those patriot blueberries, like all of those trees that I listed off that will eventually die off. We will not die off because we will live forever in his love and grace and mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, verse 24. For all flesh is as grass. So all flesh is like grass. And all its glory or honor like the flowers of, of grass. The grass withers and the flowers drop off. But, verse 25, the word of the Lord, the divine instruction, the gospel, endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached to you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Matthew 24, Verse 35, write that down. We're not going to go to it. But Matthew 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. What we see and experience here, and even parts of heaven, I don't quite understand that, are going to pass away. But the word of God, Jesus, will never pass away. Remember when the angel was talking to Mary about giving birth to Jesus, and she was describing that, that Jesus is going to stand on the throne forevermore, never ending, all the time. That's an incorruptible seed. It will never, it'll never wane. It will never um, start to deteriorate. It'll never start to decompose. It'll never start to um, come apart or unravel. It will always be intact and full and complete. That is our Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> okay, I want to talk to you about the concept of absolute. <laughs> the word absolute. Now, we use it a lot in our English language nowadays, and we say, absolutely, sure, I'll do that, you know, and things like that. But what it means is free, and this is from the 1828 um, Noah Webster's Dictionary, free, independent of anything extraneous, which means foreign or not belonging to a thing. So let me read that part again. Absolute means free, independent of anything extraneous, and extraneous means foreign or not belonging to a thing. Hence, whatever is absolute is complete in itself. It is complete in itself. So let me read that all again, the whole thing, so make sure you've got it, got it written down. The concept of absolute is free, independent of anything extraneous, and extraneous means foreign, or not belonging to a thing. Hence, it is complete in itself. So I looked up who here, or who out there, <laughs> has heard of the phrase absolute zero. Absolute zero. So absolute zero is a, is a term about temperature. The actual temperature of absolute zero is minus 273.15 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Or in Fahrenheit, if you think Fahrenheit, minus 459.67 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Whoa. So I don't want to, I want to keep this simple, but actual measurement of temperature is the measurement of the speed at which the molecules are moving in our atmosphere. So molecules that are moving fast create heat. Molecules that are moving slow stay cold. So basically, those temperatures that I just gave you are the point at which the molecules in our atmosphere stop moving. There's no 
there's no more less, there's no less movement that can happen in them past these temperatures of minus 273.15 degrees Celsius or minus 459.67 degrees Fahrenheit. In essence, in trying to make this sim simple and understandable, absolute zero is the complete absence of heat. It's the complete absence of heat. It is a pure cold. It is a pure cold. Notice that you can't have, there's not an absolute heat. There's no, there's no um, ceiling on how high a temperature can get. I guess the temperature could possibly drop below those temperatures, but I don't, I, from what I read, I don't think so. I'm not 100% sure on that. But the concept here is absolute zero is complete in its coldness. There is no corruption of the coldness. There is no degradation of the coldness. It is complete, it is full, it is final. It is absolute cold. <laughs> it is complete in itself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you get that concept of absolute? Hallelujah. Jesus is absolute is in, in his incorruptibleness. There is literally zero corruption in him. He didn't take care of 95% of the sin in the world when he went to the cross. Because if, if he'd only taken care of 95% of the sin when he went to the cross, then there's, that's not absolute. There's an area, a, a, a thin, thin sliver where there's degradation, where there's something that's going to start to deteriorate. There's, there's some type of sin that can't be covered by the blood that was shed at the cross by Jesus. So, that did not happen, praise God. It did not happen whatsoever. He was absolute in his un incorruptibleness when he went to the cross. And that was because he was not born of man. He was born of God. That incorruptible seed from the Holy Spirit came into Mary's womb and, and formed Jesus on the inside of her womb stopped the corrupted seed of man at that point. It stopped the, the, the progression of that. Sure, there was other people, that, other families that were having babies, and yes, they were born corrupted. But Jesus was the beginning of the, the, the He was the beginning of the finish. <laughs> he was the beginning of the finish of that corruptible seed. He was the beginning of the incorruptible seed. And what he did on the cross made it available for every single person to be incorruptible. He is the last Adam, Pastor Jason said. He is the last Adam. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> so let's, let's go to Galatians 5. So why is this all important? Why do we need to understand this? Why do we need to understand this? We're going to look at verses 22 and 23. So remember, Jesus is on the inside of us, that incorruptible seed, that absolute incorruptible seed. So there is, it is complete in itself. His seed on the inside of us is complete in itself. Amen. 
Mm, hallelujah. That's why Pastor Jason, when he was talking about prayer, and when I was talking at the beginning, we don't have to do anything to make ourselves ready or available or um, worthy of doing what God says or praying to God because he did it all. He was complete in everything that he did for us to come to him, to come into that perfect communion, that perfect relationship, that perfect, um, that perfect conversation with him. In the Old Testament, we could have just walked right into the Holy of Holies without a care on the world. Because we knew we had that incorruptible seed in us because of what Jesus did, and we can talk right with, the, with God our Father. Now that, that Holy of Holies is on the inside of us, where that incorruptible seed lives and breathes and has life on the inside of us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. So why is this important? Why is this important? Verse 22 and 23 are the fruit of the Spirit. This is what God placed on the inside of us the moment we gave our lives to Christ. So this, in essence, is the completeness of Christ on the inside of us. He is all of these things, and He lives on the inside of us, or all of these things are on the inside of us. So... But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, chapter 5 of Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So let's stop there. Love. There's love in the world, but is it pure? Even, even a good person in the world, and I've met some really great people that are really nice and genuinely love people and want to do the best. But that seed of love that comes out of them is still corrupted at its core. Even if they're not doing it for selfish reasons, showing love to other people, which the majority of people in the world do, even if they're not, there will be a point just like all of those fruit trees where that love will not be able to deal with the situation or the person in front of them. And it will be corrupted and it will not take care of that situation. But the love that Jesus placed on the inside of us is incorruptible. It is complete in itself. It has no degradation to it. It has no disintegration to it it is complete and full and if we let it come out of us it will never it will never do it will never uh english um <laughs> it it will never thank you it will never fall short of what it needs to do in any situation that we are in it will never it will never leave us hanging. It will never leave us hanging out and not knowing what to do. It will always perform the work that it needs to do because it is complete in itself. It is incorruptible in itself, and it will never fail us. It will never fail us. His joy. It says in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that's that joy that's on the inside of us. That complete in itself joy is the strength that we have in us. So when you're not feeling like, in all honesty, at the beginning of worship, I wasn't feeling like worshiping. I know that's strange for me. I really enjoy worshiping. I had a little kink this morning that I had to deal with. <laughs> and, but I decided to enter in to the joy of worshiping God. And it became my strength because it was incorruptible. And it did that work that it needed to do on the inside of me. And reminded me that God has taken care of my sin as far as the east and the west. And I don't qualify myself to stand up here. But my ability to stand up here comes from Jesus Christ himself and what he did on the cross. And the same thing goes for you. The same thing goes for you. 
He qualifies you. If you're not feeling like it or you don't think you're worthy of it, step into his joy because it is complete in itself and it will do that work to strengthen you. Mm. Hallelujah. His peace. This is so important. His peace. We all think that, you know, his love is important and they're all important. But his peace to me is very, very important. Jesus said himself, my peace I give to you. Not as this world gives. I give you my peace. He has given us the incorruptible peace that he has. That guards our minds and our heart. Puts that garrison of angels around us and protects us. That's what protects us and allows us to walk through difficult situations in our lives. With peace. With grace and with mercy. Oh, hallelujah. We can be in front of somebody that is just taking out their problems and frustrations of their day on us when we've done nothing wrong and have peace in front of them and not let it affect us because we have an incorruptible peace on the inside of us. Oh, hallelujah. That will not take the bait and allow itself to be dissolved or disintegrated or pulled apart. Because it is whole in itself. It is strong in itself. Because it's paired along with the joy that is our strength. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Long-suffering. Patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. I learned it in the NIV, so I have to go back through it every once in a while. Long-suffering means patience. When you're walking again through life, You need patience. And a lot of people think that, oh, you should never pray for patience because you don't know what God's going to do to make you learn about patience. Well, that is wrong. (laughs) There were other words going through my head, but basically it's just wrong. It is wrong because the fullness of God's patience has already been placed on the inside of you. The completeness of God's patience has already been placed on the inside of you. You just have to yield to it. Just like the rest of these things. When you're not feeling like showing somebody love, you say, Lord, I'm not feeling like showing these people love. But I yield to the love that you placed on the inside of me because it is greater and more strong and more complete than anything I could ever conjure up in myself. Lord, I need patience to walk through this, to trust you, to live in your perfect will, Lord, and know that your perfect timing for what I'm believing for, what I need to have patience for, will come about. The Bible says that when we walk in that patience, it, gives, it brings a perfect end to it, and that we're wanting nothing. When we allow that complete patience that God has placed on the inside of us to work through us and in us at the end of that walk we are left wanting nothing there is no need excuse me there's no need or desire in that what God's placed in your heart that is not fulfilled when you allow yourself to yield to that patience It brings a perfect work and it leaves you wanting nothing it is complete in itself, because it is Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Gentleness. Mm. 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 Again, we need that gentleness. God wouldn't have put these things inside of us if we did not need them. Amen? Amen. We need gentleness to walk through life. There's lots of people that need to know the gentleness of God. And when we try to bring gentleness, it may seem nice, but again, it is corrupted. If we try to bring it underneath, under our own power and strength, it is corrupted. And it will have an end when you're trying to bring that gentleness to somebody to talk with them tenderly, to try and help them along in what they're doing or whatever it is. That's what gentleness brings. 
It brings that, that heart to be able to walk alongside somebody and not step on them while you're doing it. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. His goodness. Again, there's lots of people in this world that are good. They do good things. You know, they donate to things and help people out. And like I'm thinking of like rock stars and, and sports celebrities and stuff like that. You know, a lot of times they do good things. But it's not complete. It doesn't have a perfect work in it. When we bring the goodness that God has placed on the inside of us, what other people do when we're bringing that goodness doesn't stop it, doesn't change it, doesn't rearrange it, because it is complete in us. It is complete and whole, and it will do a work in people's lives. <laughs> Faith. Faith is the foundation of our relationship with God. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that it also says that if something is done not in faith, it's done in sin. So when we try to have faith in, our, in ourselves and faith in, I don't know, our workplace or faith in somebody that's helping us out, it is going to come to an end because we will fail ourselves completely. Believe me, I speak from experience. I spent a lot of my Christian life trying to have faith and walk on my own strength and power, and I completely failed it. I came to the end of it and almost lost everything in my life. Heather and I have talked about that at one of, the, one of the Sunday evening things that we do. It was corrupt. It was not complete. It was not whole. And so it had an end. It died. It wasn't able to sustain the challenges and problems of life. But it fell short Whereas, if we take a step back and we yield to the faith that God has put placed on the inside of us, that trust in him that he's placed on the inside of us, it is complete. It is full. It has no corruption in it. And it will stand the test of time. It will stand the test of life's craziness and masks and quarantines and social distancing it will stand that test and you will be able to stand that test because you have yielded to that fullness of that faith that he has placed on the inside of you oh hallelujah 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 glory be to God Hallelujah. Meekness is talking about humility. When we humble ourselves to God, we trust Him. It's an act of trust. And because he is complete in himself, there is nothing, there is no, in, there is no corruptible seed or existence.
There's nothing that exists in God that is corrupted so that when we choose to humble ourselves before him and trust him with our lives in its completeness, there's nothing that, that will be lacking in our lives whatsoever. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we try to humble ourselves or put our trust in our no new age, some other religion, put our trust in work, our workplace, the people at our workplace, they're going to fail us. Even if you put your trust in your spouse, your family, your parents, I have no doubt that they're great people. But they will fail because they are in themselves corrupt. Now, if they're born again, there's a whole b much better chance but you don't want to be putting your trust in them anyway. Why not put your trust completely, wholly, and absolutely in the God that will not fail, that will never leave his throne, that will reign forevermore, and that will bring all of these things that we've been talking about here into your life in their completeness, in their absoluteness. And you will have nothing wanting in your life whatsoever the last one is temperance that's self-control it's self-control a lot of us try to have self-control <laughs> notice i said try I've talked about this recently in, in my own life when, in dealing with eating chips and eating fries. I've tried to have that self-control in my own life to deal with it, but it always falls short because those fries smell so good. <laughs> and I know those chips are going to taste amazing and I like the crunch of them and all of a sudden, my self-control is taking a walk. And I'm like, where did it go? Why do I have this entire bag of chips in my hand and there's nothing left in it? <laughs> but God's temperance or his self-control is complete. I've been talking about food, but again... You need self-control in a whole bunch of different situations in life. Yeah, money. In job situations, you're dealing with customers or students or co-workers or bosses that are irrational. And you need that self-control to rise up in you. So then that all of the rest of this can work and you can show them love and you can show them the joy and the peace that's on the inside of you and you can show them the long-suffering and the gentleness and the goodness and the faith that you have. Without that self-control, basically the rest of it's out the window. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're watching this and you've been thinking to yourself, you know what? I know I've given my life to Christ, but I'm not walking like Pastor Neil has just described here. I'm not walking in that completeness of, of the fullness of the absoluteness of what Jesus did for me on the cross. That's okay. Right now, you can change that. You can change that. In 1 Peter, 
chapter 5. In verse 6 it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. So if you're sitting there right now, listening to this, realizing, you know what, I've fallen short of this. I've tried to do all of this stuff on my own. I've walked in that corruptible seed that is producing corruption in my life. But I want to change that. Now's the time. Now's the time to humble yourself. And that just simply, in its simplest form, means to trust God. To trust God that He has put all of those fruits of the Spirit on the inside of you in their completeness. And that He wants them to do a work in your life, through your life, to you and to the people around you. All you have to do is cast it upon Him. So let's, let's, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. For those of you that are in that situation, you're a born-again Christian and you realize you really haven't been walking in what the Lord has been speaking through me today. Let's pray right now. Lord, repeat after me. Lord, I choose to humble myself to you right now. I choose to trust you, Lord, and what you've placed inside of me. All those fruit of the Spirit, that you placed inside of me in their completeness, in their fullness, in their absoluteness. Lord, help me to yield completely to them that they would do a work in my life and that they would do a work in the people around me, that they would see these fruit in my life in their completeness in their fullness, in their absoluteness, Lord. Oh, I thank you. I cast this upon you. And I thank you, Lord, that you will not leave me wanting, but you will do that perfect work in me, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And the Bible says in Philippians 1, starting in verse 6, it says that that which God has started in you, he will not stop until it is complete in you. So let him bring it to the completion in you. Now realize that that completion will be the day that you go to heaven. Some people say we even continue on in heaven. I'm not really sure. But at least it's going to be working in you for the rest of your life here on earth. You'll only be growing and expanding in the understanding and the completeness of what God has already placed on the inside of you from now on. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Lord, that you want to do that in us, Lord. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you that are watching this, that don't have Jesus in your life, but realize that you are lacking, that you've tried this all on your own. You've tried to be a good person. You've tried to show love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control and faith all those things, and you've just fallen short. You have made a mess of your life. You have not been able to walk it completely out in pureness because it has failed you. Well, let me tell you about the Jesus that I've been talking about today. My Jesus. He can be your Jesus as well. He, can be the, he is the one that went to the cross for you. See, He already went to the cross for you and paid for your sins so that you could have this completeness in your life 2,000 years ago. He already did that with you on, your, on His mind. The choice now is whether you're going to accept what He's already done for you. Are you going to accept in your life what He has already done for you on that cross so that you can walk in His completeness, in His joy, in His love, in His peace, and all the rest of them, Lord? Oh, hallelujah. If that's you and you want that, let's say a prayer right now. So get yourself ready. We're going to say a prayer. You're going to repeat after me. Amen? Okay.
Lord Jesus, I see that I have fallen short in my own abilities to walk out these attributes that Pastor Neil has been talking about this morning. Lord, I need you in my life. I ask forgiveness for my sins. And I thank you, Lord, that you are now Lord of my life. And I believe, Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose again, giving me the ability to have you on the inside of me. That I can walk in the fullness of the fruit of your spirit every day of my life. Lord, I thank you for doing this in my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, hallelujah. Welcome. Welcome to the family of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome to all of it. Oh, praise God. There's going to be a phone number on the bottom of the screen that you can call. Our church phone number. And you can call at any time of day. You see, even if the, nobody's here, the phones are forwarded when nobody's here to a phone that one of the pastors always has with them. So you can call at any time of the day and somebody will be able to answer. Or you leave a message and somebody will be getting back to you as soon as possible. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in us this morning and what you're going to continue to do in us each and every day of our lives, Lord, that we will walk in the incorruptible seed that you have placed on the inside of you, Lord, that we will walk every day in the fullness that you have placed on the inside of us, Lord, that we will walk with the fences of our mind kicked down, Lord, so that we can walk in the fullness of everything that you have placed on the inside of us, Lord, that we may not comprehend it with our own minds at this point, but Lord, we know in our spirit that it is on the inside of us, Lord. And that we can walk in its fullness. We can walk in its completeness. We can walk in its absoluteness, Lord. And we can let it do a work in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. I praise you and I thank you for that, Lord. That your name be glorified in our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.